This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome to the Popcorn Talk Network. For the online broadcast network that features movie discussion, news, and interviews, press one. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. From the Popcorn Talk Network, the online broadcast network for movie talk, Alicia Malone with Scott Movie Mance and the Schmoes Know, this is Profile. In-depth spotlights on the greatest filmmakers and artists in motion picture history. Hello, Profilers. Welcome to Profiles with Malone and Mance. This week, episode 16 of Profiles. Wow. We, it's episode 16. Can Craziness? you believe it? Crazy, crazy, crazy. Don't, I don't believe it. Believe it because this no. week we are going to spotlight an actor who really, when it comes to trying to pick our fast five, Ugh. this was tough. Leonardo DiCaprio. What does a guy have to do to win an Oscar What's around he here? got to do to win an Oscar, this guy? I mean, he has been consistently great for 20 years. Yes. His movies have grossed over $2 billion. He's been nominated five times. He hasn't win, hasn't won ever. And this is the kind of actor that really throws himself into performances. He is committed. He is committed, made 27 feature films, a diverse and impressive career, I mean, talk about an actor who makes great movies. He challenges himself as an actor. Mm -hmm. He does not play it safe. He has defied his heartthrob status. He has worked with some of the greatest directors, and we'll find out who in just a moment. And really, as a very committed environmentalist, but when it comes Mm. to all those other aspects, who does he remind you of? Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Because he's kind of similar to Tom Cruise in that he's so famous, I feel like he's overlooked, or his talent is overlooked or underappreciated. And no one does unhinged and descent into madness quite like Leonardo DiCaprio. What's a guy got to do to win an Oscar around he's played here? A, he's played true characters. He's played crazy characters. I mean, what does he have to do? Well, what does a guy like this have a... Uh, does he have a wonderful life or what? <laughs> or do, Well, uh, let's talk about the change in this week's wonderful life. Well, I thought instead of calling this segment It's a Wonderful Life, this week we would call it This, this boy's, boy's Life. This Boy's Life. How cute. Roll it. Leonardo Wilhelm DiCaprio was born on November 11, 1974 in Los Angeles, California. Leonardo's acting talents became obvious early on, so his parents signed him with a talent agency and he quickly began appearing on commercials and television shows like Roseanne, The New Lassie, Parenthood, and Growing Pains. DiCaprio made his feature film debut in 1991 in the low-budget horror flick Critters 3 which was followed the very next year by his breakthrough performance alongside Robert De Niro in This Boy's Life. Just one year later, he was nominated for his first Academy Award for playing Johnny Depp's mentally challenged brother in What's Eating Gilbert Grape. After becoming a heartthrob with Boz Lerman's Romeo and Juliet in 1996, DiCaprio literally became the king of the world with 1997's box office smash, Titanic. He then spent the following decade working with one great director after another. Danny Boyle, Steven Spielberg, Ridley Scott, Christopher Nolan, Quentin Tarantino, and of course, Martin Scorsese. 
As an actor, Leonardo DiCaprio has been nominated for four Academy Awards. That fifth Oscar, he was a producer on The Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, right. That's where the fifth Oscar comes in. So four Oscars as an actor and then one as a producer. And of all the great directors, I forgot to mention Clint Eastwood. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's like Tom Cruise. He's just like works with the best best directors he is so so great and he's someone that's been around for a long time so what was your first blood with my leo? first blood my first blood with leo was what's eating gilbert grape came out december 17th 1993 just two years after i moved out to la and uh, i remember just seeing this it's a quirky film kind of an offbeat film directed by lassie halstrom and he plays uh arnie grape and he is the mentally challenged younger brother mm-hmm. of johnny depp and i just more more than the performance i have to say at the time i was like his look was very different he just had a very unique look to him and i remember thinking like wow this guy's really going to go places and like the next year he did the de niro movie this boy's life what about you my first blood i mean i'm sure i must have seen him and things before i didn't see what's eating gilbert grape at the time but the first time i remember going who is this guy was romeo and juliet of course baz luhrmann's movie 1996 i loved this movie i saw it so many times i think i saw it four times at the cinema because i loved the experience of it the way the movie he opens with that like oh, oh, yeah. and Shakespeare it made all the dialogue really accessible I thought that was really smart and then oh, Leo as Romeo I have to admit this teenager teenager Leash Malone was uh, very very excited to see him on screen I thought he was so hot and he was also really great as Romeo just this young romantic and he has these boyish good looks about him and he still does and he's trying to fight it now he's but trying at the to time fight it. it was perfect for Romeo yes definitely and that's a very stylized film Baz Luhrmann a great movie from 1996 mm. and uh, I'll talk about a great movie let's uh, jump right into our Fast Five with the king of the world woo, woo, woo. Titanic Titanic the biggest movie in the world for a very very long time released december 19th 1997 nominated for 14 academy awards and it tied with 1950s all about eve as Mm -hmm. the most nominated movie it won 11 oscars one of three films including ben-hur and return of the king to win 11 academy awards but no best actor no what's a guy gotta do (laughs) what have been nominated for this role and he really holds this together you know this was the film that launched Leo Mania you know Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet that's when people started to really notice him but this movie made him super super famous yeah sure did and I feel like it gets a bad rap, this film. I feel like it's a lot of haters still. Yeah, maybe because it did so well and and everyone loved it for a long time that it's kind of cool to hate it now. But when you watch this movie again, it's a really well-made film. It's got romance. It's got tension. It's got... The tragedy. Uh, every time I watch it, I just hope the boat doesn't sink. Okay, what, what was your first blood with seeing Titanic? Do you remember the first time you saw it? Yeah, I saw it. It came out um, Boxing Day, I think, in Australia, which is a day after Christmas. Okay. And it's really hot around that time, so everyone goes to the cinema because that's where it's really cold, the air conditioning. Okay. So I went and saw it there, and uh, I saw it, I think, two, two other times after that because I just really enjoyed the experience. And at the time, I remember thinking, how can a film this 
long hold my attention, but it did the whole really way does. through. Yeah, I saw it the weekend that came out in Westwood, and I remember I went, and there were a lot of people in line wearing Lightstorm Entertainment jackets. Lightstorm right. Entertainment, Lightstorm produced uh, produced Titanic. All right. So during the film, I mean, it was just really crazy. Like when you're just watching scenes of the Titanic go across the ocean, you know, mm-hmm. before the iceberg hits. I mean, it would just be like a regular shot of the Titanic uh, in the ocean, and people would whoop and holler because don't forget, at the time, this movie cost two hundred million dollars to make. Yeah. That was a very big deal. It's actually cost more to make than it cost to make the original ship Titanic. <laughs> Oh, wow. It costs more to make the movie. It costs more to make the movie. Well, listen, this was a this was a budget that everybody was thinking was going to bankrupt Fox and Paramount. They co-produced the project together. And uh, it was supposed to come out the summer of 1997. But because they were just so behind with the special effects and post-production, it got delayed until December. Turned out to be a good thing that happened because then the movie opened. It spent 16 weeks, number one at the box office. Wow. And it won, won 11 Oscars. And I got to tell you, you know, I still, to this day, I love the movie. Mm. I think that Leo uh, as Jack Dawson and uh, Rose, Kate, uh, Kate uh, Beck, uh, Beckinsale, Winslet. Kate Winslet. Yes. Thank you. Um, they have great chemistry. It's a great love story. It is. It's an over the top romance, but it's it's got that grounding with the historical drama behind it. Those two are fantastic. Leo has this, you know, just charming way about him the sparkly eyes and he played Jack Dawson just perfectly and I was hearing when uh, James Cameron was trying to convince Leo to come on board because Leo originally didn't want to do it because he likes darker characters and he thought this character is too light and it's too much of a romance and James Cameron said you know that's actually a trickier role the challenge of being a Gregory Peck someone like that who seemingly does nothing but holds the whole film together and that's why I think Leo is kind of overlooked for this movie. He's much more than just good looks. Well, the studio actually wanted Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, and Tom Cruise. And Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise as Jack <laughs> seems, Dawson? Yeah. He seems like even then he would have been a little too old for that role. I thought so, but they wanted him. They didn't audition him, but they just wanted him as one of the names. Well, Cameron definitely fought for DiCaprio and won. And it's amazingly the, the king of the world line was ad-libbed. ad-libbed. Yeah. Ad-libbed. Wow. And it's such an iconic line that that when Cameron won the Oscar for best director and best picture yeah. and he said I'm king of the world, like he was quoting the movie, but everyone <laughs> thought of like, "Oh my god, he's so arrogant." Yeah. I'm like, I didn't think he was arrogant at all. One funny bit of trivia, you know, the sketching scene and there's one shot where they show uh, Jack's hands sketching Rose, but it's actually James Cameron's hands. And, and why not Leo's is that? Hands. I don't know. Because I think like one of the characters was left-handed. But, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, something with like the left and right hand thing, you know. <laughs> but uh, the other thing is that uh, the LA Times, LA Times at the time gave Titanic a bad review. Really? And I just I just had to pull this. It's, it gave it a pan. It said that uh, uh, it, the writing was not within James Cameron's abilities, not even close. And mm. that James Cameron retaliated by writing a letter to the LA Times film critic Kenneth Turan being like, how can you diss this movie? It was a big deal. Yeah. It was a very big deal when that happened. But the, the other interesting tidbit about Titanic is after this movie opened, Leonardo DiCaprio could have done anything he wanted. Mm-hmm. He literally was was the biggest star in the world, bigger Huge. than bigger than Tom Cruise, you yeah. know, uh, Tom Hanks, any of those guys. Oh, girls loved him. Guys loved him. Guys wanted to He's be great. him. Yeah. And what does he do? He takes three years off yes. from acting. 
Like, he really could have done anything and gotten paid a boatload for it, and he took three years off. His next movie was Danny Boyle's The Beach, mm. which I, I I liked. I mean, I didn't love it. I love the book more than the movie, but I, I thought, liked the movie because of the book. I thought the movie was fine, yeah. and I just think that no matter what he would have done after Titanic... It couldn't compare to Nothing could compare. that level of mania about this movie. I remember, I think my mum saw it a couple of times as well because she loved it. It was a movie that crosses generations. It's huge as well. I think there was over 1,000 extras, over 100 speaking parts in the movie. And James Horner, who did the music for it, said the first cut he saw of Titanic... 36 hours long. 36 hours. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Had well, some editing to do. It's a good thing they got it down to a little over three hours because <laughs> it became the highest grossing movie of all time worldwide. $1.8 billion that was topped nine years later or 12 years later by James Cameron's own Avatar. Avatar yeah. But when when Titanic was re-released a couple years ago, it, it went up to $2.2 billion worldwide. So James Cameron has the number one and number two highest grossing films of all amazing. time. Amazing. And people uh, have been amazing. Requesting him for profile, so we will do him at some point. We will do James Karen at some point, yes. Now, not a lot of love for Titanic on our Facebook page, no. Profiles with Malone and Mance and Schmozno Network, but Tyler Moore says, Titanic is an incredible movie. Kate Winslet's breakout role was her breakout role for a reason. She is incredible in the film, but Leo is also great, and one of the reasons I love the film, it deserves all its accolades. It's amazing. And we agree. We agree. Go Titanic. Even though it's a bit, yeah, even though people don't like it anymore i still love it well i do too and i just love there are so many scenes the trying to pick his fast five leonardo dicaprio's fast five was hard but trying to pick a scene like a standout scene was really hard but what is your leonardo dicaprio right stuff it was it was really difficult i went back and forth on a different couple of different ones but one that i like because it shows the level of commitment that leo has to his roles is from django unchained calvin candy when he does his big freak out so they're at the dinner table he saws off the piece of the african skull he's making a point about that and the way he switches from calm to crazy and then back to calm again is really interesting. And on the sixth take of that, he slammed his hand down on the table, smashed a glass in the process. His hand was bleeding everywhere. He didn't flinch. He kept on going. And that's the take they use in the film. Whoa. That just shows a level of commitment and focus with him that he didn't even notice. He did it till afterwards. That's commitment. That's mm-hmm. focus. Yeah, mine was a was a scene that you talked about before yeah. in in our Scorsese episode of Profiles, but I do love the Quaalude oh, scene too. from The Wolf of Wall Street. It's insane. It is so crazy, and this is a scene that comes really late into the film, a film that is already uh, uh, nearly long. three hours long, and there was so much decadence and over the top in The Wolf of Wall Street. But the scene where where he takes the Quaaludes and then he and he goes, "Oh, maybe I didn't get home okay," and then it flashes back to how. How, how he, you know, drove crazy home, but just the scene on the phone where he's like, Oh, it is just so crawling down so the funny. scenes, it's so the fun. stairs, and it's just one of those scenes. We'll talk more about Wolf of Wall Street later, but it's just one of those scenes that shows the the crazy excess of that movie. Yes, and just there's a lot mania. of excess in that film. A lot of, but excess. it's really great as we'll get to that film very very soon. Yeah, but now hit me with some trivia with our last detail. Our last detail got lots of good last details for you. Mm-hmm. Did you know that Steven Spielberg's original choice for the part of Frank Abagnale Jr. And Catch Me If You Can 
was Johnny Depp. Oh, interesting. Very interesting. Well, did you know that Leo was considered for the role of Patrick Bateman in American Psycho? But he said no. He said no. Mm, Because he had a lot of young fans at the time, so he didn't think it was appropriate. But I think he would have been good as well. That would have been the next movie after Titanic. Yeah. Because American Psycho came out in, I think, February of 2000. So, yeah, that's probably why he said no. And he said, nah, I'm not going to, like, you know, traumatize my fans too much. <laughs> yeah, well, I love you... how we're on the same page. I can see one of your points was about uh, James Cameron's hands. I mean, right, it's right Rose. here. Right here. We always have the same things written down, even we though we s- don't consult with each other. <laughs> that is hilarious. Same brain, same wavelength here. I was going to say, did you know that in Titanic, the hand scene sketching of are not Leo's? <laughs> they're James Cameron's. But she already said I that. You stole that. my last detail. Sorry. So I'm going to hit you up with the fact that Titanic is the first Oscar Best Picture winner to be produced, directed, written, and edited by the same person, James Cameron. Ah, there you go. Got one more. All right. Um, Did you know, well, you mentioned before that Leo, he does a lot of environmental work. Yes. And he's very charitable. So did you know this year he donated $3 million to save ocean wildlife? Last year he donated $3 million to save tigers in Nepal and $61,000 to support gay rights. Wow. Good on him. Way to go, Leo. He really uses his fame and his money for good, for good causes. causes. I like that about him. That is a very, very cool thing. Well, coming in at a fast five, number four, what could it be? Come in with the milk. Repeated. Come in with the milk. From the beginning. Come in with the milk. Come in with the milk. Way to future. Come in with the milk. Way to future. Way to future. The Aviator. The Aviator released December 25th, 2004. Well, it's its 10th anniversary of The Aviator. Whoa, that's kind of scary. Directed (laughs) by. Makes me feel old. (laughs) (laughs) Martin Scorsese. It cost $110 million to make. Box office total $214 million. Nominated for 11 Oscars. It won five. Leo was nominated for Best Actor. No win. No, what's it got? It's got to do to win an Oscar around here. I know, because this was such a brilliant role for him, playing Howard Hughes, a very crazy character, the second film he's done with Scorsese at this time. He, once again, he really anchors the movie. He delivers so much more than simply playing another character, playing a real-life character. He portrays Howard Hughes over so many years of his life and he's believable at every stage. Definitely. He's believable as the fresh-faced guy working on Hell's Angels and then he's the believable as the crazy guy who gives in to his OCD and the come in with the milk, come in with milk scene. On every level, he is fantastic in this movie. This is a challenging role, a role where he has to age over a long period of time, Mm -hmm. and he carries the film, like you said, second time working with Scorsese. It's also the first movie he co-produced with his Appian Way shingle, and it's an epic character study, again, a little on the longer side, which is not not unusual for a Martin Scorsese movie, but he just carries every single scene. He... And, and and this is a movie that could e- easily have consumed mm. the an actor because of the scope of its epic production. Mm-hmm. But he rises above it, proving that he really is one of the greatest actors of our time. Such a great spirit to this character as well, because even though he does have his inner demons, you see how Howard Hughes was this great risk taker and very ambitious and very charismatic, a ladies man. Yep. And Leo is perfect to play all those facets of the one character. 
character. It's an epic character study, and Leo, Leonardo DiCaprio really humanized the character. Exactly. And in his, in his review at the time, Roger Ebert, God rest his soul, said, What a sad man, referring to Howard Hughes, uh, what brief glory, what an enthralling film, 166 minutes, and it races past. It does. It does. I it's mean, great. it's long, but I rewatched it again, even though we watched it recently for our Scorsese episode, and I just still really enjoy it. I love that scene when he's locked in the screening room with yeah. all the bottles of uh, you know what the milk, yeah. yeah and then uh, right outside is uh is one trip played by alec baldwin mm-hmm. and alec baldwin clearly sees him as his arch enemy and he's like totally taunting him it's it's just a great one of the many great scenes of this film proving just how awesome he is as an actor and that's right we talked about this movie with Kate blanchett with our Kate blanchett episode too because of course she is fantastic yes she is as she always is and those two worked really well off each other well lots of great players in leonardo dicaprio movies do you want me to read out what schmoville had to say why don't you do that before i aviator? jump ahead yes <laughs> yes calm please down do. calm down there man <laughs> cole boone says the aviator was the first time i personally ever saw leonardo dicaprio transform himself into a character. His depiction of Howard Hughes is one that is both spot on and tragic at the same time. He did a terrific job at portraying OCD on screen that made it feel highly believable. It's a shame DiCaprio lost the Academy Award to Jamie Foxx because this may just be the greatest performance of his career as of now. Definitely one of the greatest. Definitely ones. one of the greatest. And George McCann, another great profile, Yay, says George. Yay George, I think The Aviator is DiCaprio's best work. The way he brings out the ambition and intelligence of Howard Hughes, as well as his manic mental decline, is heartbreaking and stunning to watch. We see a man go from having everything to being locked alone in a closet. Sublime acting. The show me the blueprints. Gotta have the blueprints scene. And the air hanger mm. is unsettling. DiCaprio's portrayal of Manny is uncomfortably amazing. Yeah, because that's the thing. He portrays that level of mania, but very believable. Very, very realistic. Believable. Doesn't yep. seem like it's someone acting crazy. He's, yep. I agree. He's committed once He's again. Committed. So the player, we're going to do this a little bit differently. You're going to talk about Leo's leading ladies, and, and I'm going to you? talk about some other characters of his that I enjoy. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, obviously, the one of the great leading ladies has to be Rose, mm-hmm. played by Kate Winslet in Titanic. And the movie made her a star just as much as it made him a star. And just their, their chemistry together, the way they just saved each other, and he taught her how to spit. Yeah, and you know, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, and that was ad lib too. That was ad lib scene, yeah. Oh gosh, and she almost spit into Billy Zane's face. But that's the scene where where he's painting her, even though as we now know twice that it wasn't really his hands. <laughs> yeah. But it's just such a such a romantic scene, such a beautiful scene, such an erotic scene, scene, very yeah. very sexy. And the hand down the car yes, window. Yes, uh, that's a little corny. <laughs> That's a little corny, <laughs> but it's still it's still good. Steaming up the car okay, there. Okay, hit me up. Well, a character I like that um, Leonardo has done is uh, Amsterdam from Gangs of New York in 2002. Because at the time, this was a very different role for Leo. It's more of a villain character. He does this gangster thug. Didn't get nominated. What's a guy got to do to get nominated I around know. here? I mean, I understand when you're in the same movie as Daniel Day-Lewis, it is hard. <laughs> it is tough, but still, he's fantastic. Well, another great Leo leading lady, of course, was Claire Danes. Mm. Juliet in Romeo and Juliet. You talked a lot about this movie already. Another perfect match with Leo and Claire. And I, I just love the style of this movie. And, and you know, Boss Lerman sort of has a style that you kind of love it yeah. or you hate it. And at the time, I was still loving it. I think he's gone a little bit over the top. Although, mm-hmm. like with The Great Gatsby, 
Uh, I remember when we reviewed it for Malone's movie Minute, you said it's a lot of sizzle, no steak. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, because Romeo and Juliet was part of Baz Luhrmann's Red uh, Curtain trilogy, and that was uh, Strictly Boring, Moulin Rouge, and Romeo and Juliet. And those three I love since then, eh, not so much. Okay, hit me up again. Well, I love Cobb. In Inception, we yeah. spoke about him during Christopher Nolan's episode because once again, he is the emotional center of the movie because it's a very complex plot. Very, very complex. Very high concept and you need someone to ground it. And Leo did such a great job in the, making you believe that he's doing everything to get over the guilt from his wife and to get back to his kids. Well, in The Wolf of Wall Street... I got to tell you, even though I watched the show Pan Am, I did not expect to be bowled over by Margot Robbie, Aussie, 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 oi, oi, oi. I know. She was fantastic in this film. And yes, I mean, she starts the film basically as a sex pot, you know, and, and, and it, you know, we talked before about how Scorsese, a lot of his women are not treated, they're not depicted very, very good. Mm-hmm. But I felt like Margot Robbie as Naomi in this film, really, she really rose to the occasion. She held her own with Leo and with this enormous cast in this enormous film, so great star making performance and now of course she's very 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 busy I have to say I was really impressed with her I remember seeing her in Neighbours which is an Australian soap opera that a lot of the Australian actors do and I thought yeah she's beautiful beautiful girl she was just incredible in this movie because she held her own with Leo. Yeah, she and definitely And that is did. really tough to do. And she did a great accent too. She is sexy and yeah. she's a survivor. And I just wanted to mention J. Edgar Hoover from J. Edgar. Not so much a, a fantastic movie, a little bit boring, but... He, he was good. is insane. The way he transforms. Yes. It just deserves just a little... Yes, golf way to clap. go. Yes, a little golf clap for Leo and Jay Edgar. Yeah. Okay, well, that brings us to... Quiz what? show. Quiz show. Yeah. You want to go first? Okay. Okay. I'll go first. You go All first. Right. So, which actor lost out to Leo for roles in What's Eating Gilbert Grape and Titanic? Um, oh, should I give yes, you Yes, give me some choices. <laughs> yes. Is it A, Mark Wahlberg, B, Christian Bale, or C, Tobey Maguire? I'm going to say Toby. No, actually no. Christian Bale. Christian Bale lost Woodsy and Gilbert Grape? And Titanic. Christian Bale Christian and Titanic. Bale. He was probably Whoa. just one of the, the names that were mentioned, but interesting. Interesting. I think Christian Bale would have been pretty good. Yeah, and What's Eating Gilbert Grape? Yeah, in both of those movies. Yeah. But uh, my question for you, okay. Alicia Malone, is Titanic was the number one movie for 16 straight weeks. What movie knocked it from the top spot? Was Ooh. it... A, Primary Colors, B, Mouse Hunt, C, Lost in Space, or D, City of Angels? Oh, see, this is where you would be better because you know dates better than me. Uh, primary Colors? Uh, eh. Lost in Space. Lost in Space. Of all the movies, wait, wait, of all the movies to top, Titanic. Yeah. To knock Titanic from the top spot. Lost in Space. Lost in Space? That's why I thought, no, surely not. Yeah, surely it can't be that. (laughs) Surely, surely it was. Surely not. All right, well, now we're up to Fast Five number three, which is... I'm not a doctor. I never went to medical school. I'm not a lawyer or a Harvard graduate or a Lutheran. Catch uh, me if, if you can. can. Boy, this movie is great. Came out December 25th, 2002, directed by Steven Spielberg. And here's what's interesting about the about December 2002. Now, now at that time, Leonardo, he did Titanic, 
Then he took three years off. Mm-hmm. He did The Beach, which was not well received. So then he comes back in December of 2002, December 20th, Gangs of New York. Five days later, Catch Me If You Can, double dose of Leo in two completely different roles that he knocked out of the park. Definitely. And I feel like this role uh, as Frank Abagnale Jr. is perfect for Leo because the character has such boyish good looks and charm that you really would believe him if he was trying to con you. I would just go with whatever Frank says because he is so charming. He's smart. He's believable. Once again, a character who goes over a few different years of his life. Yep. And such a great cat and mouse game between him and Tom Hanks. And it's a, like you said, it's a smart movie. And and he's charming. He's very resourceful. Mm-hmm. He's what is he called up the James Bond of the skies. <laughs> yeah, and you want him to win. You yes. like him so much that you don't want him to get caught, except when he wants it to get caught, and then you want him to get caught just for him. But I love that scene. You know, Tom Hanks had been chasing him for years. <sighs> And then he goes to see him in jail and he shows him the check and he starts talking about, oh, yeah, yeah, this isn't a real check. Or, and he's it's like, it suddenly he gets this like flash of light and he goes, wait a minute here. This guy could be very, very useful to the FBI. And he fighting. was. And he was. And it was just the dynamic between Hanks and DiCaprio. They both were lonely. They had nobody. And like, and this was a, a Christmas movie. Yeah. And Christmas is all over this film. It's so interesting to watch like every Christmas Eve, Frank would call, call uh, yeah. Carl Hanratty. You know, I'd like a knock, knock. Who's there? Go F yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Hanks is hilarious in this movie. And that scene where Frank, he, he looks into his um, mother's new house and he sees he's been replaced. Yep. And she has a new life. That is so heartbreaking and you see it in his eyes. And that's the thing that Leo does so well is bring the emotion to any character. And I love Christopher Walken also. Oh, he's as, so good. He's so good in this movie. As the father, I know a lot of people can do a Christopher Walken impression. Not going to try. I cannot, but I like the two little mice fell into a bucket of cream, like that whole motif he's, that keeps coming back. You're, you're watching Christopher Walken do Christopher Walken, but he yeah. got nominated for this movie for supporting actor, and uh, John Williams' score also got nominated. Those two, the only two Oscars. Nothing for Leo. What's a guy got to do to get nominated? What's a guy got to do? Now, this movie cost around $52 million to make, and it made $350 million worldwide at the box office. Wow. I got to review it at the time. What did you say? In my review, in December of 2002, I said, after being MIA since washing up on the cinematic shores of 2000's The Beach, <laughs> what, what, what? what, what? <laughs> DiCaprio is back with not one, but two impressive, though very different undertakings. There's his gritty portrayal of an Irish immigrant out for revenge in Gangs of New York, but fans who made him the king of the world with 1997's top grossing Titanic will most likely embrace the smashing dashing Leo of Catch Me If You Can. Mm. He's perfectly suited for the role and the film ultimately guides through its flaws because of a strong charismatic performance. And then I went on to say simply enjoy the movie for what it is an entertaining cool breeze that you should definitely catch if you can. Ah, good one, Matt. <laughs> it is very fun to watch. There are some funny moments at the same time as being quite dramatic. It, it's just a good, fun heist movie. I love the opening titles Oh, as well. for Sol Bass. Oh, Sol Bass. He's so great. He does all the posters as well. Yep. And, you know, this movie started development back in 1980, but DreamWorks didn't get the rights until 1997. So that's Whoa. when it really took off. But this was, as you said, this time in Leo's life was when he started to move into the more serious, more complex 
roles. And, and then from there, he just went, whoo! And even if the movie wasn't great, like Body of Lies, directed by Ridley Scott, not a great movie, but he's really good in it. Always good. He's always good. Like you said, Jay Edgar, not a great movie, but he still he's makes it great. watchable. Darius Hughes in Schmilville had this to say about Catch Me If You Can. His performance as Frank Abagnale Jr. is just so, so good. It's his best performance, in my opinion. Just so real, relatable, believable, and honest. It's funny and heartbreaking at the same time. Exactly what I said. That's exactly good. Exactly what you that said. That means you're correct, Darius Hughes. <laughs> Liam Logrand says, My favorite Leo performance is Frank Abagnale Jr. in Catch Me If You Can. He was so likable, and we're rooting for him to continue to participate in his shenanigans around the world. His dynamic with Tom Hanks is fantastic, and I love that it's based on a true story, one of Spielberg's most underrated films. It is underrated, because I remember at the time I thought it was fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, I liked it. But watching it again just the other day to prep for profiles, which is one of the things I love about doing so profiles. Much fun. So much fun rewatching these movies. I liked it a lot more. It is an underrated film and an underrated Spielberg movie. Well, speaking of underrated, instead of the good, the bad, the ugly this week, we are renaming the segment The, the Outsiders. Outsiders. Because Leonardo DiCaprio has so many movies that he's done, and we feel like we would be remiss if we didn't mention quite a few of them. So hit me with it. You go first. I was going to say Revolutionary Road, even though it may me never ever want to get married yes in my life <laughs> the reteaming of leo and kate together such heartbreaking emotional yeah. performances it is definitely a heartbreaking movie i have to say again the beach underrated film uh, directed by danny boyle uh, i i thought it was fine for what it was again there was a lot of backlash against leo because he had this was so 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 successful but it was enough this was a role that i feel like it deserves to be seen again it deserves a, a revision so to speak with shutter island i think is an underappreciated movie there he definitely does his descent into madness it's got that great twist towards the end and just a creepy atmosphere throughout well not that django and is an underrated movie because no. it's very, very good. But, uh, you know, again, we've talked about this in your right stuff. DiCaprio, like, uh, first time in a while he had played a baddie. But to get to work with Quentin Tarantino, you could tell that he really sunk his teeth into the role and he really just knocked it out of the park. We mentioned Romeo and Juliet. That's one, still one of my favorite movies. Yeah. Django Unchained, you mentioned Inception. Also, The Departed. The Departed. Great movie. Great movie. Great movie. Came out around the same time as Blood Diamond, which is a movie we're going to talk about very, very soon. Uh, but it was an, a great ensemble. Scorsese won Best Picture and Best Director for 2006. No Oscar nomination for Leo What's on that one. What's a guy got to do to get nominated? Do, because in that film, he plays both sides really well. The Boston Cop of the Mole, he could be convincing in either. But the other thing about The Departed was, I mean, even though I thought he was great in The Aviator and, and in Gangs of New York... With The Departed, I felt like this was the first time... He was a man. He looked like a man. Yeah. Like, he still had the boyish face, but, you know, he looked like he hadn't slept in days. He had the scruff going on. He looked like a man. Like, he finally grew into the roles that he so. wanted to be doing. Yes, you know what I mean? Definitely. I know. Oh, before we move on, let me... Break down the these brackets. brackets. Yes. Okay. I've got them on my new phone. Your new no six. big deal. Mm. So Steve Zissou, thank you so much for doing this for us again. This is on our Facebook page, Profiles with Malona Mance on the Schmoes No Network. Give it a like if Give you haven't like. already. So this week they did the favorite characters for Leonardo DiCaprio. So Steve says this was the most votes ever on a bracket, close to 100 on the championship rounds. So it was between Calvin Candy versus Howard Hughes and Jordan Belfort 
versus Billy Costigan. Okay. And then it came down to Jordan Belfort versus Calvin Candy. Jordan Belfort won by two votes. Whoa, that's tight. Jordan from Wolf of Wall Street. So according to Schmoville, that is the best Leo character. What do you think? Let us know if you're watching this on youtube.com slash popcorn talk network. Make sure you leave us a little comment below because we like to read them all and we reply when we can. We do reply and we love that everybody gets involved with profiles by going to profiles with Malone and Mance on the Schmozno network. That is our Facebook page. Go there, join in on the fun, comment on the brackets, let us know which of our favorite movies you like to, mm. let us know what you think of Profiles, and please absolutely go to iTunes. This is very, very important. Go to iTunes and subscribe to our podcast. Rate and review us on iTunes. Cannot stress how important it is for you out there to please rate and review us on iTunes. We yeah. need those to survive. And if you have already subscribed, just double check that you are still subscribed, because yes. sometimes it just disappears you know and we want you to keep up with it every week and you can also follow our fan twitter at profiles sk or at alicia malone and at movie mance on twitter keep going with our fast five number number two two. that's all right i'm exactly where i'm supposed to be blood Blood diamonds wow what a powerful movie it's released uh, december 8th 2006 nominated for five academy awards including best supporting actor jaiman hunsu Best Actor, Leonardo DiCaprio. No win. No win. What's a guy got to do to win? <laughs> oh, well, this was the same year as The Departed. Yep. So many people say that they thought he should have been nominated for The Departed rather than for Blood Diamond. I disagree because Blood Diamond, he pulled off this accent. Some people say he didn't. But for me, I thought he did a brilliant job at the South African accent. And not only just the accent, he transformed physically as well. Yep. The way he held himself, the way he walked. This is when he was starting to look like a man. Exactly. So and he definitely pulled off this character perfectly. I thought he was great in Blood Diamonds. And I, I, I agree. I think that even though I like, I like The Departed better as a film, I thought his performance in Blood Diamond was the stronger performance. Physical and emotional transformation mm. that he starts off by being just a selfish smuggler who yeah. just wants that big, huge pink diamond. And then he changes and then he over the changes, course of the movie. Right. He, he sort of has that sort of Han Solo transformation <laughs> yeah. where he, he becomes goes from being selfish to selfless. And this movie cost $100 million to make. It made only $57 million domestically, but worldwide it did okay. It made $172 million. It's a real politically charged movie. Powerful, gripping. Tough movie. Watching it again made me think to myself, you know, this is another film that people need to go back and watch again. Yeah, it's a tough movie when you see all the child soldiers, the Civil oh. War, the uh, the rich guys getting richer and profiting from all this blood. It brings up so many issues, and I didn't know too much about the concept of Blood Diamonds before I saw this back yep. in 2006, so this movie actually taught me a lot. Right. And when you look at the plot and you look at the characters, you think, yeah, that all sounds pretty standard and all sounds pretty predictable where it starts and where it ends, but the acting is what elevates it. And Leonardo DiCaprio with Jimon Hansu, who's yeah. so good, those two together make this film so watchable. They, they definitely had great chemistry together. Mm. They made They made a great 
team. And Blood Diamond, I didn't know what a Blood Diamond was either until I saw this movie. And diamonds were mined for war in war zones and sold to finance conflicts and arms. And of course, the people who paid off were the warlords and of course, the diamond companies. Mm. So, I mean, that was educational. I didn't know what a Blood Diamond meant. Now, this movie took place during the civil wars of Sierra Leone between 1996 and 2001. And yeah, just watching this movie was so disturbing to see just the rebels so so merciless and pitiless against people just chopping off their arms oh. and uh, using the kids to be soldiers. Yeah, that's I mean, really, really happens. It's really, really heartbreaking because you know it's true. It made me go, no, I do not want a blood diamond. Not that anyone was trying to give me a diamond anyway, but if they do, don't give me a blood diamond. Don't get a blood diamond. <laughs> <laughs> Still get me some kind of diamond. Well, in, in, their, in their review, you'll get a diamond. <laughs> You will get a you will get a big diamond, and it won't be a blood diamond, Alicia Wong. Uh, in her review for USA Today, Claudia Puig said, "This is the first time the boyish actor Leonardo DiCaprio truly seemed like yes. a man on film." It's true. This I, year was a good year for Leo. Two thousand and six, definitely good, good year. So was two thousand thirteen, but we'll get to that. In a and Rachel Cushing loves Blood Diamond. She said, "I love Leo in Blood Diamond because it was the first role where I thought of him as a man." Many of his earlier roles played off his youthful charm, but he buried much of that in the role of Danny Archer. He is a quiet man with demons and a smoldering, ultimately righteous rage that propels him in this really underrated drama by the wonderful director Edward Zwick. Well, Rachel Cushing yeah, is such an amazing writer. Nails she just really again. she should be making a living as a film critic. And it's so hard for an American to do a South African accent or an Australian accent. That's I, a tough I bought into it. Accent to pull off. I bought into it. I totally believe them. Yeah. And All so right, did Brooke. Dan Skip Allen, another great profiler. He says it has a great mix of action and suspense while also telling a story about a subject we rarely see, the diamond trade in Africa. Mm. This is a cutthroat world for everybody involved. Leah was great as the protagonist in this very entertaining drama. Before we move on to our Fast Five number one, shall we read out some other comments about other films Take it away, of Alicia Leo Mullen. that people love? So Niffa McCarthy says, What's <laughs> eating Gilbert Grape is his fave. Took years for me to accept Leonardo DiCaprio as an adult because of the indelible performance images from his performance in What's Eating Gilbert Grape. I really could barely accept him in other films for a long time as any other character as a result of that role. Interesting. Well, interesting. Jason Smith had to pick a movie that we haven't even talked about. The yeah. Quick and the Dead from 1995, directed by Sam Raimi. The Quick and the Dead was an amazing vehicle for the very young and up-and-coming Leonardo DiCaprio. He was a talent among talents in that cast. He brought his own unique brand to the character, and he made that Western so much better. And Nikolai Quack also mentions one we haven't mentioned yet, The Man in the Iron Mask. Yep. It was one of his early roles and a really difficult one for that matter since he had to play two very different characters. The whole movie is a darker take on the story of the three musketeers who are all superbly played by Gerard Depardieu, Jeremy Irons and John Malkovich. It has great action, genuine drama not to mention a heartbreaking as well as despicable performance from Leo. And Lisa Silverman picked This Boy's Life from 1992 going way back. I think This Boy's Life is so underrated. It was his first real film he was working with Robert De Niro and was able to hold his own great in this movie. Absolutely And what's agree. going on here, Calvin Candy himself has left a little note 
about oh, Django Unchained. Very funny. Very and, funny. And he says that Calvin Candy and Django Unchained was his first time playing a villain. He hasn't played a character like that before, and he does it successfully since I was terrified of him the whole time. Calvin, even Calvin was terrified of Calvin. I, either one of two things happened there, Alicia. <laughs> either, either somebody left the name Calvin Candy, or I just uh, screwed up in the cut and paste. That I, I like to believe that down. it's Calvin Candy Calvin just Candy. going, no, come on, I, I'm, I'm good at being a villain. I'd like to think that Calvin Candy is a profiler. Yeah. Yes. Calvin Candy is a great profile. We love it. Okay. Awesome. All right. Uh, let's go to our fast five. Number one, which has to be. The year I turned 26 as the head of my own brokerage firm, I made $49 million, which really pissed me off because it was three shy of a million a week. Yeah. Wow. That yes. was annoying. The Wolf of Wall Street. Wolf of Wall Street. Great movie released December 25th, 2013. How many movies is that on this list? That came out on Christmas Day. Like three of them. <laughs> Amazing. A yeah. good time. It's Christmas time when you have a new Leo movie to look forward to. <laughs> this movie cost $100 million to make. Box office worldwide, $392 million. Nominated for five Academy Awards, including Best Picture, Best Director for Martin Scorsese, and Leonardo DiCaprio, Best Actor. No win. No win. What's a guy got to do to win oh an Oscar God, around here? At this stage, he's but, still like bribed them or something. But he did win the Golden Globe. Yeah, good. Good, okay. He got something. He got something. Best actor, musical, or comedy. This is the best Leo performance ever, in my opinion, because it's the culmination of everything he's done in his career. You've got the real life story. You've definitely got the descent into madness. You've got the charmer. You've got the good looking con man, the ladies man. And it's all done with such commitment that borders on possession. It is great. It is a performance of his career. He puts everything into it. And that is a bold statement. When you look at the other performances that we just talked about. Mm. But just the scene when he is like rallying everybody at his firm. <laughs> and he does, it looks like he did most of it in one take. I mean, this was a movie that really demanded a lot. So much that the original cut in this film was four hours long. Wow. And Scorsese pared it down to... Three. You know what? I would watch a four-hour version of this movie. Wolf of Wall Street, when I first saw it, I didn't like it at all. Really? I came out feeling really sick and really sick about life and people and just Wall Street in general. You know, I was angry. And then I realized, well, that's what it's supposed to make you do. Exactly. Because if you walk out of that movie and you're like, that looks like fun, I want to be just like Jordan, then there is something seriously wrong with you because you should not feel like that watching this film. And for me, that was Martin Scorsese return to form. It's kind of like his Goodfellas coming back where he's all about excess and mania. Yeah, it definitely had that Goodfellas feel to it. Goodfellas and... and uh, casino yeah and uh you know this was like when when i first saw the movie wall street the uh, you know the uh michael douglas version it came out in 1987 you know that was a film that a lot of people idolized gordon gecko character played by michael douglas they wanted to be him greed is good and in you know when wolf of wall street came out people like wow they they idolized jordan belford and it's like what do you Let's take a step back it's like here, you're people. you're not getting the point. Yeah. Do you realize what you're saying? Because this is a really ugly character. And I think it's all props to Leo for pulling this off in such a way that you still kind of like him, even though he's despicable and does such crazy things. The scene on the boat when Kyle Chandler as the uh, FBI agent. Yeah. And he's there sitting there and the, 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 doing all the niceties and he's saying. And you, all, you kind of want him to get caught. You want him to get caught. But here's Kyle Chandler who took a subway to get to work and then at the end of the film it shows him on the subway 
thinking, okay, yeah, I did my job, and here I am taking a subway home. Yeah. When Jordan like was living this huge high on life the on the boats in this world travel, all this money, all these girls and everything. Up to him eventually, but we mentioned the word excess several times because this movie is all about excess. Even the length of the film is excessive. Although I said I would watch more of it, the Quaalude scene is a great example of yeah. that excess and just that insane stuff that happens and it's almost unbelievable these days to have such a big budget studio film doing this crazy stuff it's like a runaway train it just goes it's fun it's outrageous it's despicable it makes you feel all the things that you should feel it never asked for sympathy no it didn't no but it's still you still got it because he was so charming in this role too well uh our friend mark tordai from schmoville said playing jordan belfort in wolf of wall street leo proved he wasn't just another pretty face he also proved that he is physical comedy tommy as well (laughs) the lewd scene yeah the lewd scene was honestly one of the funniest yet saddest scenes that i've ever seen of scores in a scorsese Desi film brilliantly executed by DiCaprio. There was a lot of physical stuff that he had to do in this role. Sam Cox says, I've, I'd always been an admirer of Leo's work, but the performance that captivated me the most was his performance in The Wolf of Wall Street. You know that his character is a despicable crook, but his charisma makes him so damn likable. Yeah. He captured Jordan's rise to success and his downfall perfectly. That's what I like about the film. Side note from me that you, you're enjoying the ride up and then you can't wait to see the crash You're down. just waiting for it to happen. Yeah, and it's fun to watch him come crashing down. Uh, I loved Matthew McConaughey in Dallas Buyers Club, but I truly do believe that 2014 should have been DiCaprio's year. The Wolf of Wall Street features DiCaprio's best performance, but he's such an incredible talent, which means I wouldn't be surprised if he tops that performance in the future. And one day when he does get an Oscar, we'll and he say, has to one day. We told you so. Plus it'll be for his entire career, much like when Scorsese won for Departed. Right. It's like really for the whole career, not he's, just for that one He's film. going to win. It's it's it, it's in the cards. It has to happen. And speaking of Matthew McConaughey for Dallas Buyers Club, he was hilarious. He was he was, and that's what he does. He is so himself, funny in this movie. And then movie. they put that in the film because he, you that's know, how he warms up. He improvised a lot, and Scorsese encouraged a lot of improv, improv in this movie. So shall we uh, run through our fast five? So yes, yeah, so this fast five was really hard to pick. So let us know whether you agree with it or if you disagree. But this is what we chose at number five: Titanic, number, number four, four, The Aviator, number, number three, three, Catch Me If You Can, number, number two, two, Blood Diamond, number, number one, one, The Wolf of Wall Street. Street. Yay! Yay. That brings us to the end of another episode of Profiles with Malone and Mets. (laughs) What? What? Malone and Mets? Malone and Mets. Next week, who do we have? Come on, JT. Push, no. No, Wrong button. (laughs) Let's not get caught. What are you talking about? Let's keep going. Uh, Ridley, Scott, and why am I not surprised that I chose Thelma and Louise? That you chose, of any Ridley Scott movie like Alien or Blade Runner, one of the best feminist films ever made. One of the best feminist films ever made. Thelma and Louise, you are so (laughs) predictable, Alicia Malone. I can't wait to talk more about that film, to rewatch that film, plus all his other movies. Of course, he's got a new one coming out, so we'll be talking about that as well. Until then, make sure you subscribe to youtube.com slash popcorn talk 
Network. Find us on iTunes. Rate and review us. Please, 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 please. We really need these ratings and reviews and, and subscriptions on iTunes so we can keep coming back to do profiles with these great filmmakers week after week. And also, please go to our Facebook page, Profiles with Malona Mance on the Schmozno Network. It's a mouthful, but please head over, like our page, join in on the great fun of Profiles with Malona Mance. Yeah, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of its owners or principals.